Since March of this year, our preaching and worship calendar has had us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The series is entitled Christian Counterculture because what our Lord preaches in this, his most famous sermon, is definitely counter to the values and ideas of the prevailing culture in his own time and in our own time as well. And um, you may know that some of what he said in that most famous sermon is recorded also in the Gospel of Luke, but broken up and in different chapters and different contexts. Jesus was an itinerant preacher, and it wouldn't be the least bit surprising if what he said on one occasion, he said on other occasions in different places, and the evangelists in compiling the written Gospels didn't have to put it together in exactly the same order. Well, another text from Luke's Gospel, this time chapter 11, will sound familiar if you have been soaking with us in Matthew's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to Luke 11, verses 1 through 8. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Hmm. Boy, another parable on persistence in prayer. I wonder if God is trying to say something to us today. Would you open your Bible now to Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount? We are um, going to come again to the subject of prayer. It's not the first time in this series. We spent last spring a few weeks on the Lord's Prayer and surrounding instruction. Now we come to what our Lord says in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and hope you'll follow in your copy of God's Word. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Before we take a closer look at those words, let's sing an old gospel song about prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let's stand as we sing.
Well, today's text is pretty straightforward. It gives us an invitation and then a reason that we can confidently accept that invitation. In the first paragraph, verses 7 and 8, Jesus extends to us an invitation. Pray. And then in the second paragraph, verses 9 through 11, he gives us a reason why we can respond to that invitation with confidence. Simple. Or is it? Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and prayer will open the door. Simple. Except that if you have much experience with prayer, or even if you know other Bible texts on the subject, you know it is not quite so simple. You might think, yeah, pray, ask, knock, sure. But doesn't it say somewhere that God answers prayer that is according to his will? And yes, it does. 1 John 5.14. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He answers prayer if our prayer is in accordance with his perfect will for our lives and for his governance of the world. And it may not be his will to heal me or to heal me now or to heal me directly apart from medical means. It may not be his will to give me the job that I really long for. It may not be his will to give my community or my nation good government because sometimes God chooses to punish an unrighteous people by giving them bad leaders. Back in Jeremiah, God said to the prophet that even if the great prayer warriors of yesteryear were to all petition me on behalf of Jerusalem, I would turn a deaf ear because he was determined to punish that rebellious, ungodly city. So, yes, the prayers that are answered are the prayers that are in accord with God's will. But that's a different theme for a different sermon on a different day. Today's theme, today's text, today's word from Jesus is this straightforward invitation. Ask, seek, knock. Yes, but we think somewhere in the Bible, doesn't it say something about you have to pray with the right motives? And sure enough, if you look at James 4, 3, you read, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Some prayers are not answered because the people offering those prayers pray with ungodly motives. In one of Frederick Beekner's novels, an angel is charged with bringing the prayers from earth into the throne room of heaven. He collects all the prayers around the world that are being offered at any given moment and brings them up into the throne room of God. And the angel says, some of those prayers are delicate and beautiful as a flower, but carrying some of those prayers is kind of like 
a woman might carry a dead mouse holding it by the tail as she takes it out of the kitchen. Ugly, vengeful, unworthy, selfish, self-serving, self-righteous prayers. And God does not listen to prayers that are offered with the wrong motive. Of course, sometimes we might pray with wrong motives, and it's not ugly, it's just we're naive. Uh, We're praying for something in some way or for a reason that God is just not in the habit of honoring. Larry Crabb tells about how when he was 10 years old, he heard a sermon on this theme. The text was in the Gospels where Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, believing, I will do it. So he went out in the driveway and said, Jesus, I'm going to pray in your name, and I believe that you can make me fly like Superman. And he jumped four times, each time maybe about a foot further, but he did not get what he received, and he went back in the house, and the way he puts it in telling this story, thus began my 50-year struggle with prayer. So, yes, the motive with which we pray has to be a righteous motive, one that pleases God. But that's another theme for another day, another sermon. Today's text is this unqualified invitation, ask, seek, knock. Yes, but... Doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible that our prayers are connected to our obedience? And yes, it does. 1 John 3.22 We receive from Him everything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. What's behind this verse uh, is that you cannot extend an empty hand to God saying, would you please give me this good gift while with the other hand you're shaking your fist in his face and saying, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to obey you. Defiant, unrepentant disobedience can make God turn a deaf ear even to prayers that he otherwise would be pleased to answer. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, Obedience accounts. It makes a difference in how prayers are heard. This is not the only place in the Bible that says this, by the way. You may remember that at the end of James' letter, it says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You may remember that Peter, in his first epistle, got very practical with this principle and warned husbands to treat their wives with respect and consideration, lest your prayers be hindered. I know a man, and you shouldn't try and figure out who, because he's not part of our community, who has lost his faith, walked away from Christianity for a long time, thinking that God didn't hear prayer. It was a waste of time, waste of breath. But if you knew how he treated his wife, and you know First Peter, you might understand why his prayers seemed to not be answered. So yes, according to the word of God, 
um, there is a connection between our walk, our obedience, our pleasing God, and whether prayers are heard or not, but that's another theme for another sermon on another day. Today, we're supposed to hear these words. Ask. Seek. Knock. All those yes buts are true and are necessary for a a balanced, full-orbed doctrine of prayer, but we don't let them cancel, negate, or trump our Lord's bold invitation here. Pray. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So don't hesitate to pray because you wonder if that prayer is going to meet all the proper criteria. Pray. Don't neglect prayer because sometimes answers are slow to come. Remember the parables that we heard earlier in the service and pray. Don't think that you have to get the words right or sound like some kind of spiritual giant. A professor of philosophy at Boston College writes, prayer is easier than we think. We think it is too hard or too high or too holy for us because that gives us an excuse for not doing it. This is false humility. Even the most sinful, shallow, silly, and stupid of us can pray. You do not need to master some mystical method. Can you talk to a friend? Talk to God, for he is your friend. And that is what prayer is. The single most important piece of advice about prayer is one word. Begin. Just do it. And don't quit praying because you you just can't answer the question, why does God need my prayer? He already knows what I'm going to say. He already knows what he's going to do. He already knows what's best. So what difference does it make whether I pray or not? Should it not be enough that he tells us to pray? And to know from his word that there are some things God will only do in answer to prayer. So pray. And don't neglect prayer because you can't figure the whole thing out. It just, it just doesn't... A teacher of the Bible from another generation, Vance Havner, said, I don't understand prayer. But I don't understand electricity either, and I'm not going to sit in the dark until I do. <laughs> Ask. Seek. Knock. That's Jesus' invitation. And then in the next paragraph, verses 9 through 11, he gives this wonderful assurance as to why we can accept that invitation with confidence. Verse 9, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Honey, come here. (laughs) Our three-year-old asked for another dinner roll, but I'm going to give him this stone. I can't wait to see him break his little teeth on it. (laughs) Who would do that? Oh, dear. (laughs) 
Wait till Junior takes the cover off the platter. He thinks there's a fish under there. Which of you, if his son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? No. If, verse 11, you, though you are evil, wonder how that went over. Our Lord doesn't do a whole lot for his audience's self-esteem here. He just says, you're evil. The, the second season of the Chosen miniseries ends with the stage set for Jesus giving the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if season three is going to open with the actual sermon or if they'll include this line, and if so, how the audience will receive it. I wonder how the original audience received this line. You're evil, Jesus says. That's another theme for another day and another sermon. Right now, it's enough to note that Jesus is making another lesser to greater argument. If even you, human fathers, frail, faulty, sinful, broken, messed up, imperfect as you are, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father, with a capital F, your Father in Heaven, give good gifts to those who ask Him? He gives bread and fish. He gives us our needs. He gives us more than we need. He gives generously. And in His giving, He knows what we need. What's best for us? We don't always. And in our ignorance, we can sometimes accidentally ask for a stone or a snake. Tim, and it's a true story, begged God for a certain girl. He liked her. He was falling in love with her. He kind of hoped that she would love him. And he prayed that God would just bring them together and keep them together. And today, years later, they are married, but not to each other. Because God had somebody different for both of them. And Tim is not complaining. He loves his wife, his life partner. He just didn't know what, in fact, in that situation was bread for him. God did. And we are assured in Romans chapter 8 that although we sometimes don't know what to pray or how to pray, the Holy Spirit, will take our inarticulate groanings and translate them into requests that heaven knows we need. And we can imagine that on one occasion years ago, the Holy Spirit was saying, poor Tim doesn't know what he's asking for. He doesn't realize that he's asking for a snake. <laughs> but Lord, his deepest, truest desire is a marriage that will glorify you and satisfy him and her. That's what he wants. And that's what the Holy Spirit promises to do for imperfect you and me. Because God is so good, he does not always give us what we ask for. John Calvin, in a commentary on the Psalms, wrote this. 
nothing more readily occurs than a relaxation in earnest prayer unless it be sustained by the recollection of God's promises. I'll say it again, then I'll put it in plain English. <laughs> nothing more readily occurs than a relaxation in earnest prayer unless it be sustained by the recollection of God's promises. What Calvin is saying is that it is easy, it is natural for us to just give up on prayer, not persist in prayer. That comes naturally to us unless we sustain fervent, persistent prayer by reflecting on God's promises again and again. Unfortunately, there are so many prayer promises in the Bible that if we read the Bible faithfully, we're going to come across them again and again. Here's one in Matthew chapter 7. The invitation is there. Ask, seek, knock. And the promise that goes along with it is you have a good, wise, generous Father who loves to give to those who ask, seek, and knock. So pray. I read just this week that a lot of people, and this will not surprise you, buy gift cards from merchants. 39% um, of us buy gift cards from department stores for family and friends. 33% of us buy gift cards at restaurants. But according to estimates reported in the Journal of State Taxation, the typical American home has an average of $300 in unused or unredeemed gift cards. I said in the first service, my guess is that I probably am typical in that regard. Now and then people give us gift cards and during COVID months, we didn't go to stores very often, we didn't eat out very often. And so in a certain place in my house, we have those gift cards. <clears throat> For those listening online, wild horses would not drag from me where those gift cards are. <laughs> now here's the interesting thing. These cards are often misplaced, accidentally thrown out, or only partially redeemed. And get this. In six years that they did this study, $41 billion worth of gift cards went unused. No wonder the merchants love this. $41 billion of gift cards went unused. You know, I think that if Jesus were here, he might say something like this, don't leave God's gifts on the table. Don't leave God's gifts in a dresser drawer somewhere. Ask. Seek. Knock. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for the invitation your Son extends to us, and thank you for the wonderful assurance you give us that we can accept that invitation with confidence. I'm going to pray that you'll do what my words cannot do, and that is by your Spirit make this truth 
part of our experience. Help us to really believe it, and not just in an intellectual way, but experientially. And what a wonderful thing it would be if, as a result of our coming together this morning, we, this church family, prayed more. Prayed more believingly. Prayed with the right motives, to be sure, in accordance with your will, and walking in obedience to you, but by all means, pray. Help us, Lord. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who taught this lesson, and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Stand please for the benediction. Hope to see you back in this same room this evening for another great evening of camp reflections. We're going to let David have the last word today from Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Amen.